Excellent. We give him praise. We give him praise. All right, guys. Another Sunday. Um, we're still in. Um, we're doing a series on Romans. Um, last week Josh preached on Romans six. I'm gonna um go on to Romans seven. Um, I'm really looking to. I'm looking really looking forward to Romans chapter eight. Josh, we you know Romans eight is um, <laughs> that's like you know a core core um. Um, chapter in Romans. So I'm looking forward to that one, boy. Um, but today we're going to be looking at Romans seven. Um, so yeah, get your um Bibles ready. But let me just pray. Lord, I magnify and just pray and just glorify and adore your holy name. I pray, Lord, that as I speak, that you that you would just fill my tongue with your words. And I pray, Lord, that people's hearts would be ready to receive from you. I pray that our hearts would be made soft and our hearts would be good soil. So that as our hearts are good soil, that we will be able to bear forth fruit. Um, Lord, I pray that we will not be distracted. I pray for um, tiredness, tiredness to be removed. I pray just for our attention to be alert. Um, I pray also for um, our ears to be open to your word, Lord. And that something that will, and, and for us to be able to hear from you today, Lord, for a word that is specific to us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, looking at Romans um, chapter 7. I just want to look at a couple of verses in Romans chapter 6 just to remind us a couple of things. So in Romans um, chapter 6 verse 2, we're reminded that we have died to sin. And in Romans um, 6 verse 18, we're set free from sin. And so as it's important just to remind ourselves continuously that sin is no longer a lord over us, that we are no longer under the law. Um, but the question is, you know, Sometimes we can think about, oh, the law is a bad thing. As we go through Romans um, 7, we'll see, you know, whether the law is bad or evil, etc. Um, so but this is just to remind us that we are dead to sin and we're set free from sin. Um, if I was going to give this um, sermon a title, I would call it the eye problem. The eye problem. So not the eye as a body part, but the eye as an, eye as an individual. So let me read um, Romans 7, verses 1 to 6. Um, or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God for while we were living in the flesh our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death verse 6 but now we are released from the law having died to that which held us captive so that we may serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code so that's that's verses one to six um 
if we read, if we just go, I'm going to go quickly verse by verse. Um, if you look at the first two verses, it talks about um, someone being married. And I think it's important to say this scripture isn't about divorce. This is just about um, what does it mean to be free from being married, just to call that out. Um, but, but it's more about how you can be free from marriage. And another way to be free from marriage is through death. You know what I mean, based in this scripture. And so in verse two, it says, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband. And even the word married also means like you're, when you say, oh, I'm married to that, it's like I'm stuck to that. I'm just joined to that. So when you're married, you are joined with someone and marriage is like continuous forever until death do us part. So you're married and you're joined and it says you're bound by law. But the only way that you're able to, um, you know, be free of this marriage is through death. And so I was like, if someone was to go and, you know, do acts of marriage with someone else, that would be seen as being an adulterous person in terms of your treating someone else like a husband or a wife, but you can only have one husband and one wife. And I think this is why also you see in Matthew 6 where it says, you can't have two masters because you'll hate, you hate one of them. And I think it's important to call this out in that a lot of people want to, um, you know, flirt with Jesus. A lot of people would like to tease, you know what I mean, have fun with him, you know, you know, and, you know, spend time with him. But, the Lord wants you and only you. You can't, he doesn't want it, he doesn't want to be your side chick. He doesn't want to be your guy on the he doesn't want to be your guy on the side. He doesn't want to be, you know, um, your hookup. That's not who our Lord is trying to be. You know I mean, he he wants you and he wants you to have him and only him. You can only have one Lord. So it's important to say. And the only way that you can actually um be joined with him is through the death. Of your of your of your of who you if who you are married to, basically. So we're not here to be flirting with Jesus. We're here to say you are our Lord and we're married to you. And you see this this whole thing around using marriage. You can see that it's being used as a metaphor type thing because in verse four it says likewise. Yeah. So likewise. So this is saying that when you read verses one to three, the only way to be free from a marriage. Is through death, where someone, where 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 one, where the husband or the wife dies, and when that when someone when somebody in the marriage dies, then you are free to marry, i.e., to be joined with someone else. Um, without that, you are committing adultery. So, likewise, my brothers, verse four, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. So, just to remind everyone when we go when we get baptized. It is symbolic of us going down, dying, and as we come up, we're in the new birth, the new creation. It's important to know that we have died to the law. So everything that everything that happened in the past is now dead, and we are now a what? New creation. And that is symbolic of us now being married to the law. So being married to the, our Lord Jesus. Does that make sense, guys? Just want to make sure. Okay, I see some nods, praising, praising. And so now that you belong to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. When you go through scripture, especially New Testament, you'll see a lot of times in that one of the things of being, Christ, being a Christian and being united with um, Jesus is that we bear 
fruit that we produce. And I think, is, and, and it's that as we, as we stay connected with him, as we abide with him, as we are married to him, we bear fruit, we produce. And that is one of the, um, you know, the consequences of being a Christian. As we abide in him and stay with him, remain in him and be married to him, we bear forth fruit. And I think it's important to say everyone is, is bearing forth fruit. Everyone is producing something based on who they are married to and what they are connected to. Um, it's important to say, know that this is to be expected as a Christian. When you read the parable about the um the, the, the seeds and the grounds, so in Luke 8.15, you'll see that good soil, that is a symbolic of a good heart, um, bears forth fruit. Um, you'll see in Colossians um, chapter 1, verse 10, um, in the letter to the Christians, of course, is that you should be bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. So in terms of being a fruitful, producing Christian is a consequence of us marrying him. And that, you know, it, it's, you know them by their fruit. So I know that I'm, you know, you guys have heard this a lot because we speak about this a lot, but I want to call out and that we are always bearing forth fruit. And it's important to know that this fruit is for God. The fruit is for God. That when we're bearing forth fruit, it's for God. And, then, and, and as it being for God, it, it will then therefore be for others, for his, for his children. I think it's important to know that it's like an apple tree doesn't eat its own fruit. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like an apple tree is like, yeah, I can't wait to eat my own fruit. It's for others. And I think it's important to therefore to know that when we're burning for fruit, we're being a blessing to others. Do you know what I mean? The way time I read that scripture in terms of our heart will flow rivers of living water. For who? For those who are thirsty, those who need the water. I mean, so we are always a conduit, a channel, a source to be a blessing to others. Yeah, does that mean it's not about hey guys, come look at my fruit, man, come look at my fruit? And we're here to be a blessing, not for ourselves, but for Him. We produce fruit for God. Cool. All right. Verse five. For while we were living in the flesh, past tense. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members, members being body, to bear fruit for death. See what? See there? Bear fruit for death. There's always fruit being produced. You are bearing fruit for God, which is life, or you're bearing fruit for death, which is um, connected to the enemy. And I think it's an important thing to call out here that the law, and this is mentioned in Romans before, makes us aware of sin. So when the law says, I oh, don't do that, you're like, oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that before, but now I know that. You're now intrigued by it. I mean, it makes you aware of what good is and what bad is in terms of what is sin. And it makes me um, think about, there was an incident whilst when I was at school, um, we called it CDT, Craft Design Technology. I think it might be called Design Technology now or Product Design, but CDT, basically where you play with wood and acrylic and plastics. And I remember every time I used to drill on wood 
schoolwork and let me start. The teacher would always say to us, don't put your hands anywhere near the drill. The teacher would always say that, you know, safety, don't put your hands anywhere near the drill. And every time I did drill work, in my mind, would, I'd think to myself, I wonder what will happen if I put my hand near the drill. I never did it, guys. I never did it. But it would cross my mind in terms of, I wonder what will happen if my hand goes... And, you know, and I think to myself, why, why am I even thinking that? I mean, why is that thought even crossing my mind? And there was one time in class, someone did it, and their finger, and their finger came off. Now, I mean, literally, they put the hand in the drill, and then, boom, their finger cut, came off. They had to put ice in it, and, you know, they, it got, it got um, sewed back on. But I remember thinking, no, look how foolish that guy is. But it was almost like, but almost like, ah, now I, now I definitely know what happens. But I was like, I still had the thinking back in my mind, like, oh, I wonder what happens. You know what I mean? Like if, if I put my hand in that drill, and it's almost like sometimes being told what not to do it arouses something. You know I mean, like it arouses something. I was speaking to, um, you know someone in a relationship, like, you know, in terms of, like, dating. So I see people who are in relationships, you know, and the issues about um, not doing the things that married, married people do. And it's, like, it's knowing that you shouldn't do something, it arouses something. Because when you're married, you don't have that same, like, that same kind of temptation or that same pressure isn't there because you're now allowed to. But when you're like, oh, you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z, it arouses something. And you always find sometimes that people are always trying to be how close to the fire can I get to without getting burnt? I know I'm not meant to be there, but how close can I get there? It's like, as soon as I say to my children, you know, don't do this or don't go there. You already know that they're thinking to, they're thinking to themselves, oh, I wonder what is there? I wonder what would happen if I do if I if I do go and touch that. It's a um, you know, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting thing. You're like my parents will be able to say that there'll be many times when they'll say to us, "Oh, don't touch that," and we'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, no problem," and then they'll come back and then they, the thing that they said don't touch is now broken. Now I mean, you think? <laughs> now I mean, and you think why they told us they told us not to touch it. But something aroused us to touch it, and it's now broken. Do you know what I mean? Like, Josh, if you want to use this time now to confess anything that you did whilst you were young, feel free to <laughs> feel free to confess it right now. But I, I, as, as I said, Mum and Dad, in those times, it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it's um it's funny, man. Like why does why we why does it arouse us? And it's like it's sin, it's sin, and it's in our bodies. In verse six, but now, so now, now begin now, we are released from the law. Released. It's like you know, imagine you're in chains. The chains are being removed. You're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. Captive is a, it's not a nice word, you know what I mean? Captive, you can't let go, you're being bound. Once again, giving you the idea of almost like being married or stuck or bound to something. 
so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So now we serve in the way of the spirit. What does that mean? We're, we're here to be led by a spirit. And, you know, there's um scriptures that talk about being led by a spirit. It says in Romans 8, verse 14, we'll, we'll talk about it next week probably, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons. And so the distinction for, Christi- for Christians is that we are led by a spirit rather than, oh, I've got to, um, I'm following all these rules so that I can tick them off. And the key thing, what I just said there, I am following all these rules so that I can tick them off. We're no longer doing that. We're being led by his spirit. Can I get someone to read Romans um, chapter 7, verses 7 to 14, please? What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known that it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Mm -hmm. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, Sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death for me. Poor sin, seizing opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Cool, thank you. It's... Because now, you know, as we keep hearing about the law and sin, you can think, oh, my days, the law is really bad. I mean, the law is the issue. It's the law. It's the law's fault, man. I mean, if I hadn't known the law, then sin wouldn't have been aroused. So, we, so we're going to blame the law. And Paul's saying clearly in Romans, um, in, the, in the verses that um, Joseph read, that the law is not sin. It's the sin in me that was aroused. And it's, it's, and what's also um, important as well in terms of sin is now being mentioned as a noun, as a, like it's a thing, it's like a person, like it's a personified somehow that it can do something. Sin has seized me. And so it's important to know that it's, you know, you can say, ah, oh, that sin over there, it's like, a, it's a thing. And when we say sin, what do we actually mean? We're saying that you've missed the mark. You know, if you're, um, you know, if you're trying to take a shot at a goal and you and you don't get it in, you've missed. You've missed the mark. You missed the target, or you've wandered from the path of upright rightness of righteousness. You're you've gone off track. You've missed it. That means that when you trespass, you're like you've gone somewhere that you shouldn't have gone, or you're somewhere where you're not meant to be. And sin can seize you. 
And also we remember that it can produce something. Here we're saying that um, that it is produced in me, in verse 8, but sin, seizing an opportunity, so sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment has produced, produced once again, filmed a fruit in me, all kinds of covetousness, covetousness, which means, when you're talking about covet, that is like a desire that you shouldn't have. You want something that is forbidden. You're not meant to have it, but you want it. I shouldn't touch the drill, but I've touched the drill. I shouldn't have touched the fire, but I've touched the fire because the law has made me aware. But sin has jumped on that and said, ah, we're not, we're not allowed to do that. And sin is what is causing me to do that. So it's not that the law is bad. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like saying that the teacher was wrong to say, don't touch the drill. No, no, that was like solid advice. I mean, don't touch the drill was solid advice. I mean, telling your child, don't touch the fire is solid, good advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't jump, don't jump off um, that bridge is solid, good advice. It's not, it's not the advice that is wrong. It's the sin being aroused by the law, by, by, by being told that if you do that, that is wrong. That is the issue. For sin season opportunity, verse 11, through the commandments deceived me and through it killed me. What? Hey. Sin is the problem. So the law is, someone write that down in your notes. The law is what? Holy. And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So the law is holy, is righteous and good. So if you hear someone say to you, forget the law, man, burn down the law, dash the law. You're saying what? You want to get rid of something that is good? You're saying you want to shut down something that is, um, that is holy and that is righteous? The issue isn't, the law, it's sin. I mean, we can learn from the law, but the law is not meant to be our Lord. Let me say that again slowly. We can learn from the law, but it's not meant to be our Lord. Does that make sense? The problem isn't the law. The problem is within. It is the sin. Verse 13, did that which is good then bring death to me? So did the, did the law bring death? By no means. It was, someone say it loud, sin producing death in me through what is good. That's the law. In order that sin might be shown to be sin. Sin is going to be shown to be sin. Like, come, it's going to show itself by it wanting to come off the mark, come off track. And through the commandments might become sinful beyond measure. The problem is the sin. Someone read um, Romans 7, verses 14 to 25, please. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the Lord. 
that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I found, so I find, find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Mm. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members another. I see my members another law raging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretch that man I am who will deliver me from his from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Cool. Praise this is a um well known um couple of verses. This is also a controversial um part of scripture as well. Um and it's interesting. I think sometimes um, we can spend a lot of time finding controversy in things that was never meant to be the main message. And so just so that people know, sometimes the controversy is, was Paul saying this from a point of being pre-conversion? Or was it post-conversion? Or was it near him when he, where, where he almost, where he, where he, um, he just got saved? Because, you know, you're hearing language him saying that, Captive, you know, how can he be, be? How can he be captive? We're all free, and I, it's almost. I hear, I, like, I definitely hear those arguments and those points, and there's like there's a lot of debate in terms of, you know, it can't it can't be his pre-conversion. It has to be this. You now it has to be like post-conversion. There's, there's guys like if you Google and do look at commentaries, there's a lot of debates, but I don't see that. That isn't what Paul was trying to communicate to the church when he wrote this letter. He was trying to communicate a message about it's not, it's the main point isn't about where was he, was it pre-conversion or post-conversion? The main point is what Christ has done to help him to get out of this situation, to settle it. Because he talks about who can deliver me. And so Am I like dodging a bullet by not getting into the discussion? Well, you could say that, but I, I want to get, I want to keep the main thing, the main thing, in terms of go and deal with the message that Paul was trying to um, communicate in um, in Romans chapter seven. And I think it's also I want to call out a couple of things as well. When you go through scripture, even scripture itself says um, about some of the things that Paul writes were hard to understand. Um, if you read, let me go to Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter three, verse fifteen. Uh, yeah, verse fifteen. Yeah, verse fifteen. Second Peter, chapter three, verse fifteen. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. As he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist 
to their own destruction as they do the other scripture. So whenever sometimes people start talking about some of these deep things of Paul and be like, oh yeah, it's common sense, it's like it's basic, it's pretty straightforward. Even my man Peter is saying the certain things that Paul says that for some are hard to understand. And so I don't want sometimes us to get like um swayed and be like, why don't I, why don't I get this yet? Like I would say, guys, um, stay in study. But the main thing always is focus on the majors, focus on what the main things are in terms of what is trying to be communicated in a letter and almost don't get besotted with like, but why is that purple? I mean, there, there, there may be there may be like a layer there. There may be something, there probably is something there, but let's keep what is Paul really trying to communicate in this letter. And another thing as well to say in that, even though we could say, for example, this is um, this is from Paul before he's Paul was saying this from a point or position of um, pre-conversion. I don't want anyone to start thinking that um, Christians don't struggle. Do you know what I mean? Because if you're all, if you're if you're um, saved, and you know, and you're a Christian, you're born again. Can can you just just raise your hand? Just raise your hand if you're saying yeah, you've given your life to Jesus Christ. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Cool. Perfect, perfect. And can the can whoever is not resting with anything had no issues or struggles? Can you now please put your hand down? I'm just going to see who is the the holy one amongst us, the, the, the most holy one amongst us. Ah, oh, there's still hands raised. Perfect. It's good to know. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Is that it's good to know in that we all know that as Christians, I mean, there are fights and wrestles that we're going through. It says clearly in James chapter three, verse two. We all, not some of us, we all stumble in many ways. Not like, oh, a couple of you, we all stumble in many ways. And it's, it's important to know also that there is a fight going on, I mean, within our bodies. Can someone read First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27? <clears throat> Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but when an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I, I myself should be disqualified. Cool, thank you. That means like, there's a fight going on, guys. And when you read um, Colossians chapter three, verse five, um, I think Paul says, no, Paul says to the church, put to death. Not like, oh, you know, pat it on the back and, you know, stroke it softly. Put to death, therefore, that that is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put it to death. And then, you know, I just want to make it clear, guys, in that we stumble in many ways and that if we commit a sin or we fall, that doesn't mean that is our identity. We are a what? a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it's important for us to know that and that we have 
authority and dominion over these things and that and that through him we're able to overcome these struggles I mean like literally we heard one of our brothers give a testimony that um you know he's been delivered and set free I mean was he was he does that does that mean that he's now a Christian now that he's set free exactly I mean so don't let our wrestles our struggles say and define say oh because these are things are happening that means you know i'm i'm not a christian etc in terms of as we stay in him remain in him abide in him seek seek wise counsel utilize um what the scripture says renew our minds and do it we shall live um the full life that he wants us to live in in freedom so let's get back to the scripture. So Romans um, chapter 7. Cool. Let me just get back to it quickly. Verse um, 14. I'm just going to read through it. For we, know, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. It's important to say that here he's actually saying of the flesh rather than in the flesh. Yeah, it's all these small, small things that make it. Like, it's not saying I'm in it. You're just saying I'm of the flesh. And, you know, we do have a body sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. You know what I mean? Why did I put my finger in the drill? I was told not to. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. The thing that I hate, not even like I dislike, I hate it, is what he's saying. I hate it. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. So, you know, if the if the law says don't do that, I don't do it, I agree. The law, I'm, I agree with it. And that is good. So now it is no longer I. So someone... If you got time, if someone should count the number of eyes that I mentioned from verse 14 to 25. Yeah, the number of eyes. So it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Just to remind you guys, what is flesh? Flesh is basically living as if there is no God living separate from God. So I don't, like, it's, it's, so those who are not saved are living in the flesh because they're living as if there is no God. So it's not just like what you do with your body. It's, it's more of a way that you live. It's also, you know, the way that you think. I mean, so the flesh is living as if you're separate from God. For I know that, verse 80, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability. So I haven't got the ability to carry it out. I want to. I know what's right, but I can't carry it out. I haven't got the ability, the power, the skills to do it. Verse 19, for I do not, for I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. I keep on doing it. I keep on doing it. Habitually, I'm, I keep doing it. I don't want to do it, but I keep on doing it. And many Christians know 
um, what that feels like. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Let's to be clear. So Paul is now saying in this that it's the sin um, that is causing him to do the thing that he doesn't want to do. But what I, but it's, it's still Paul that is doing it, yeah? I don't, it's almost like, what I don't happen is that people start saying, yo, 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 you know, like, what can I do, Dan? It's just a sin that's just happening, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just a slave to it. You know what I mean? Like, yo, like, give a guy a break. It's just a sin. So we're still, we're still um, accountable for the actions that we are doing. Verse 21. So I find this to be a law, and it's important whenever you read through scripture, when you see the word law, you need to understand, is it talking about the Mosaic law, the, the laws in the Old Testament, or is it talking more of a, like a, a principle? Here, this is talking, this in verse 21, it's talking more about a principle. So I find this to be a law, a principle, a guide, a rules, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Does anyone know, know that feeling where you're like, I know I'm not meant to, I know I'm meant to stay at 30 miles per hour, but there's something saying, just, just go a bit more, Dan. You can just go for 35. It's all good. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you can do it. You can do it. Just go for the 35. It's 50, just uh, 55. You can do it. No one will know. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's like, you know, it's, no one can see and you know the good thing to do. You're like, mm. it's like something is right there behind you, tapping you on the shoulder, being like, go on. It's right there. Evil lies close at hand for I delight. So this, this Paul at this point, whether it be um, before he pre-conversion or post, he's saying that I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, by seeing my members, what's members? Body, another law, this is another principle, another rules or guides, waging war against the law of my mind, my thinking, my soul, making me captive. These are why a lot of people say that, no, 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 this can't be Paul as a Christian, because how can my man be captive? And making me captive to the law of sin, that dwells in my members, that's my body, like your body parts. Wretched man. Wretched man literally means that he's torn, it's being pulled in two different directions. That I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? The num I'm not sure if anyone counted how many eyes were in mentioned in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25. Oh, okay. Isaiah counted. Um I've got 24. Okay, no one counted, but I, I just thought it was 24, but people count. But he, he said I 24 times. 24 times. It's The message here isn't, Paul is calling out, I'm wrestling, I'm struggling, 
I haven't got the ability. Who can help me? Who can help me? And what, but the one thing that we clearly know is not himself. I, I delight in the Lord. It's no longer I who do it. What I do not want to do, I do. If I do not do the good I want, we know it's not him. We know that he hasn't got, he can't do it. We're not, guys, reading through Romans, we're not justified by our own strength, by our own ability. We don't have the power or the resource to live this Christian life in our own strength. The solution is not inside of us. It's not us. It's not us. That's what I need. I need, I need us to know that in terms of, um, like, I don't care how great your idea is in terms of how great your plan is to deal with sin. I don't care how great it sounds. I don't care who told you um, the idea that you have. You need Jesus. Sorry about that. You need Jesus. And I think something else for us to remember as well in that we are going to get a new body, guys. In Romans 8, it talks about where, like, oh, let me move to it quick. In Romans 8, verse 23, I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but I'll just read one verse from Romans 8. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first through the Spirit, grown inwardly as we await eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This body, guys, that we have is going to be redeemed. It's going to be transformed. You can see the same thing in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to get a new body. But until that, we're stuck with this. But guys, the struggle with sin is within. And it's important to know, as we read Romans 8 next week, that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who can deliver me? Who can deliver me? Who can deliver me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who can deliver me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Your body by itself, its flesh, will do what it wants to do. We'll, like, we'll follow the principles of, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat that. I want to be satisfied, I'm definitely going to do that. We choose to serve the law of God. But who can deliver me? It's not I. It's not I, it's not me. The thing that I want to do, I can't do it. Who can deliver me? Thank you, Jesus Christ. Let's read Ezekiel 
36. Verse 26 to 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. We need Jesus. We need his spirit. Who can deliver me? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Praise him.